Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Daniel Kirk. Daniel is a former Aussie Rules player, uh, now turned Paralympic athlete. So welcome on to the show, Daniel. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. So before we delve into today's episode, Daniel, can you talk to us about, obviously, your um, upbringing and how you've kind of gone from going from Aussie Rules to now becoming a Paralympic athlete? Yeah, sure. Um, So I grew up actually playing soccer. Um, So I spent probably the first 10 years of my sporting career um, playing that and um and just being an active active kid i guess like it was always waiting for the school bell to go so i could head off and play my sport so um probably wasn't the most studious um student at that point but um just loved being active and and that feeling of you know being involved in a team and competing so um i did that all the way up until i was about 18 um i did a little bit of officiating um to earn some money with that as well and actually got to a, um, a national level with that um, and then I, I took a year off, um, cause I had a, a pretty bad back, um, from the goalkeeping and studying being a tall athlete over, you know, small desks and that sort of stuff. So uh, I gave the officiating a go and just didn't get the same buzz out of it. Um, so I, um, I came back the year after I played soccer, but I also played, um, a year of, of Aussie rules football um, after going to a selection camp with a friend to support him. And I made it through the selection process and he didn't. Um, so it was an interesting um, experience with that. Um, and in the year that I played both, it was the, it was the football that I enjoyed the most. Um, so I think just the, the different dynamic of, of team and, and what I was learning and um, probably how well suited I was to it. Um, being sort of quite, I guess, above average in in most um, kind of physiological sort of um, abilities, you know, like athleticism and flexibility and um, power and those types of things. So um, I was fortunate enough to have about a a 10-year career in that um, where I played at at state level um, in two different different states. So in um, Tasmania, uh, right at the bottom of Australia, for those of the year that know much about us, um, which is where I grew up, and then in South Australia as well in, in their state league. So, um, and look, really enjoyed that and got very close to making the national level uh, competition. Um, didn't quite get there. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, uh, when I was about 29, I had a um, quite a severe ankle injury where I, I landed awkwardly and um, compressed and sheared the ankle cartilage, um, and then went on to have six surgeries over the next 18 months, um, by which time it was, um, I had to come to accept that I wasn't going to play able-bodied sport again. Um, so, you know, as you can probably imagine, that's um, a pretty confronting time um, when you lose your sense of identity and that, um, that sense of self. I talked about being athletic and powerful and you know, that, those kind of, I guess, alpha male characteristics that you, you know, you aspire to be um, and just losing that almost overnight. Um, so there was a, there were significant challenges there I went through, um, but also very um, life defining in terms of the skills that you learn and the, uh, the things that you learn to appreciate more. Um, 
and particularly sort of, you know, social networks and people that are willing to be there for you during the tougher times as well and, and how you cope with, um, you know, finding, you know, your true identity, I guess, amongst all of that, you know, because as sports people, we, we really identify ourselves with what we do, not who we are. Um, and so that was a time for me to, to reflect on that. Um, and then, look, I was really lucky um, having worked as a, as a strength and conditioning coach in some, some pretty good um, organisations, including the Institute of Sport um, here in South Australia, that I had, um, I guess, people encouraging me to, to explore the, the para sport pathway. Um, and I was a bit stubborn in, in how early I went because I, I was concerned that, it, you know, if I started and did something well, but then my ankle improved, that I'd have to stop. Um, in hindsight, I, I really should have just got started straight away. Um, but um, look, that's that's just been the most amazing thing, and it's really shaped sort of who I am now, and um, and my purpose, and and um, I guess satisfaction in in life. Um, because for for those that haven't experienced para sport um, either themselves or just by observing it, it's just the most phenomenal community of people. Um, and you know, there's, there's constant examples of. Um, compassion um you know towards other athletes towards other people towards you know service providers and vice versa um and perseverance which is just the most admirable characteristic when you see people willing to to push beyond impairments and limits and and do things that most of us wouldn't have ever considered possible but in terms of you say your self-worth daniel do you think with obviously your sports science background, you were able to identify that that was an issue more? Yeah, look, absolutely. Like it was something that I, um, I identified really early on. Uh, it doesn't change the struggle that you have with it. Um, like I was obviously a, a more mature athlete at that point. So probably better equipped to deal with it than most. Um, but it's still, I've used this word before and, and sometimes it sounds um, description before sometimes it sounds a little bit dramatic but it, it's quite soul crushing like you've spent your whole life building up towards something you you put so much energy into it and to to overnight just have that feeling of it being taken away from you um it it's really like i said really confronting um and it's difficult like uh, particularly males um and you know young alpha males involved in sport we're, we're not great at, at talking to people about it um I'm, I'm lucky like i was brought up in a family and and with friends that um were much more comfortable with that and um it wasn't easy at first but you know you see the value in it the more that you share yourself with other people and you be vulnerable um and you work out the vulnerability is actually not a weakness it's a strength it's where you gain your greatest um, strength from. So, but there's, there's many people out there that I've seen that have had their challenges and they haven't had that courage or they, or they haven't had a reason to trust being vulnerable yet because they've been hurt in the past. And, and that's what's kind of scary for, for when you see other people go through these types of experiences. Um, so I had, I had challenges from it, but I, I was lucky enough to see opportunity at, or search for opportunity at, at each of those junctures in, in where I could have gone in life. But do you not think it comes back to that root cause in most cases that people sometimes put all their eggs in one basket and you touched upon it in terms of they only see themselves as the athlete. Do you think that's maybe a wrong outlook to have on life from a sports perspective to start with? Yeah, I don't think like right and wrong is not really 
helpful? Is it, is it useful or is it not? Is it helpful or is it not? So I don't, I don't think it's helpful. Yeah, you're right. Um, so when you, when you attach yourself so strongly to, to one identity, you end up, um, look, there's, there's obviously pros to it. Like we see people and they, they commit so much of their time and they're so driven and um, persistent and, and they might achieve quite a high level of success early. But once you fracture that, that persona or that, that image of who they are or, or what they're capable of, you know, if they, once they experience their first sort of failure at, at that level, I think it makes them really vulnerable to, to crashing and burning because they haven't developed those skills over time or, or that um, diversity across life to build a good sort of social net network and support network around them, both in sport and in life, and to, to find a supportive uh, a partner and, and build a family. And, and to have those, it, it really is that social connection that holds things together when, when things are tough. Look, I, um, maybe I put too many... Uh, makes uh, too many eggs in too many baskets, I guess. Um, you know, I you know, lived in a couple of different states. Um, I was studying, uh, trying to work, um, and was even sort of dabbling in a little bit of athletics and later on um, beach volleyball as well. So, um, but those experiences, you know, for me were really valuable. Um, and in part, they probably made me a, um, a more rounded person, which I felt was was better, even if I didn't quite achieve what I wanted to achieve in football. So, um, yeah, look, it's, um, it, I guess it's, it's where you prioritise things in life. And we don't often get taught how to do that growing up. You know, we go to school and we get taught math, science, English, you know, geography, maybe history. Um, but who teaches us the life skills? Like who teaches us how to communicate, how to develop relationships, how to pay bills, um, you know, how to save and invest? Like we, we don't really get that. Um, and we don't get those coping strategies around kind of things that affect mental health either. Um, so, you know, I'm lucky, I guess, you know, that I've, I've got a hunger to learn and explore things and, and the experiences I've had, are, I feel have put me in a really good place uh, where I am now. So, and I just hope that um, I guess some of what I've um, learned about myself, I can, I can pass on to others and create a little bit of an easier pathway for them to find their own way. I think it's a difficult one in terms of, say, schooling because, obviously, the school has a curriculum, national curriculum to follow. Mm. However, the examples you touched upon there, say mental uh, mental health um, and whatnot, you could probably tie it into PE to a certain extent. Okay, I don't know if this is the same mm. case in, in, in Australia as it is in the UK, uh, in the UK, you've got that chance to drop P when it doesn't suit you, say from GCSE and, and beyond, which I think, especially nowadays, is probably the, the kids shouldn't have a choice. It's a, so maybe, maybe say give them, you have to do one year mandatory to yeah. schooling. From the health perspectives, that, that will instill with you because... Probably Absolutely. that's probably the root cause in terms of people's knowledge base is they are easily you could say manipulated in one way because yeah. they'll read a headline and that's it and not take that as factual. 
Yeah. Yeah, look, and it does, it comes back to the curriculum. And, and unfortunately, I don't think we place a high enough emphasis on, on physical activity and, and learning those skills, um, which is, is disappointing because it's, it's, it's looking after yourself. It's creating longevity and giving those energy levels to excel in other areas of life. Um, so, look, I, I think it's something we could, we could certainly do. I, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Iceland who have revolutionised the way that they they. Uh, run their curriculum and they don't um, have um, specific subjects anymore they, they do teach in much more of a, um, a life skills and, and across different subjects all at the same time which I think is is more relevant it creates a set of challenges in how do you measure um, uh, knowledge and success and um, and capabilities for then entering into more um, advanced learning um, at a later stage or in a different country um, but I certainly think that um, in terms of preparing you for life, it'd be a much um, more beneficial system. Because if we think about the stresses that we have and what leads to those, you know, anxiety and depression, which is so prevalent in, in Western society and um, today, it's it's things like relationships breaking down and, um, you know, unemployment. And um, it really comes down to expectations not being met. You know, we, we go through our... Um, formative years expecting to grow up and um, we get a job and then we you know find a partner and we get married and then we have a baby and then we buy a house and then what you know they're they're great um, milestones in life but they're not a purpose and I think that's where people mistake it for for something that's really going to drive them those things can fill you with joy absolutely but you you need to have something that really drives you wanting to achieve something to to leave a legacy you know on um on your on others you know from your life so that's certainly what i've sort of learned from my experience is that you know we need to be grateful for what we've got not you know worry or, or concern ourselves with what we what we haven't in terms of our impairments or you know could be something quite superficial that you know the latest iphone or, or something like that but um, and, you know, concern ourselves more about, you know, having good people around us, you know, loving someone, having someone love us and, and finding something that really, like I said, gives you that, that, that excitability, that, that reason to get up in the morning, the, the thing that makes you want to have the self-discipline to achieve something in life. And, and to me, that's purpose. Um, and it, it's something that I try and impart on others and, and share that story so that they can they can find their own way and find their own purpose. Well, it's a difficult one, Daniel, because I think in modern society, I think more people are concerned about uh, what other things think, other what others think of them. Be it yep. the latest gadget, uh, latest car, and kind of beyond those things. And those are, in my eyes, superficial. They don't add value. Agreed. to Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I mean, my purpose in sport is not to, well, I mean, we obviously want to achieve the peak of our success, but the actual medal or the the ribbon or the whatever that comes with it, it's not about that. It's about knowing that you've got the best out of yourself, knowing that hopefully that is better than anyone else in the world. Um, the people that you meet along that journey, the the things that you learn about yourself in, in that pursuit of excellence, that's what it's about. It's not about the trophies on your gathering dust on your um your bookshelf at home because most of us when we when we start to accumulate some of those things we don't know what to do with them because they just become clutter 
Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It's it's about experiences and um, and unfortunately, yeah, the the way that we work is that we're we're quite evolved now in the way that we do some things in life and what we have access to. But instead of being grateful for what we've got, it's always that fear of missing out on the next gadget or the next you know, item to to add to our collection. But I think from a sporting sense, and I mean, if I use myself as the example. I think when you are involved in it and being in that bubble, yes, it's a results-driven business. But I think when you retire and I reflect, I have a different outcome and outlook on what I've achieved. Okay, I think from the outset, and you'd probably be the same, your results are... It's kind of what is a pro, your process towards, say, getting to the top of the hill of this elusive gold medal... But I think yeah. when, you, when you reflect on it, and now I I finished, I probably look at it different in different light because okay, I didn't achieve that. Well, what is the pinnacle of, of of Olympic or Paralympic sport? But I've got different life skills. Be it uh, I've met different people from around the world. I've travelled to different countries. Um, had an opportunity to compete in different sports. So you, 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 I think I've learned life skills. It shaped probably the different aspects of my existence from be it century and you know like that, <clears throat> like that in terms of being able to engage in, with different people and different yes. languages and being able to adapt in that way, which I think probably from the outset wasn't the case. You were very much driven on these processes from a sporting sense but it kind of opens the doors from a different outlook to, to kind of shape you as an individual it does you're right um you know you sort of go in with with a certain set of goals or um uh, yeah i guess like aspirations but by the end of it it's um or you know as you get further into it you start to realize it's so much more than that um and there's such a value in in being in that um, competitive environment because of, like I said, the things you learn about yourself, the things you learn about others, and the way you learn to um, communicate and integrate with that. Um, so, look, I, I love it for those reasons. Um, you know, I think sport is a valuable tool and, and teaches some great lessons. And and hopefully, you know, that as uh, as experienced athletes, we can impart some of that on on um, younger athletes that are that are aspiring to to be the best in, in what they do. And, and look, you can't, um, you can't give someone your lessons in life, but I think if you can at least, you know, maybe drip feed them a little bit of what they can then look for in, in their own life and their own experiences to find their own way. Um, then, then if you've done that, then you've, you've had an impact. You probably could to a certain extent because you're giving them the <clears throat> to maybe bypass certain, uh, struggles you've had to overcome so you could say well I don't know uh you've dealt with this situation in in the wrong light if you had had an opportunity to do it again you'd have done it a different way kind of giving them the choices to say well this is what I did there's no context like where's where's their context because they haven't had the experiences we've had if we if we could go back and do that to ourselves we I guess we'd probably be optimistic we'd take it on board but would we because did people try and do that for us and we kind of brushed it off and thought we knew better and um 
uh, to me, uh, and I've spent a lot of time on um, trying to define what the most successful athletes in the world and what it is about them that makes them that. And to me, the number one characteristics is perseverance. And to, to develop perseverance, you need to have struggles. If you, if you don't have struggles, there's nothing to overcome. So, you know, if, if, if you go and you make your own list of, you know, your top 10 favourite athletes ever and you, and you do a little bit of digging on their background and, and how they got where they were, most of them have, have had to overcome something. Most of them have had, to, had some struggles and had some setbacks. And, and that was what, you know, created or, or shaped who they are today, which is what's made them one of the best athletes in the world. Um, there's certainly other characteristics about it, you know, being professional and, you know, skillful and, and dedicating time and all these sorts of things. But the number one that, one that I see come up over and over again is, is perseverance. And you can call it perseverance, you can call it persistence, you can call it resilience, but they, they all have a similar meaning to it. And that's that, you know, you've, you've had to, to push through something. And when you've got to that fork in the road or you've met a, a solid brick wall, you know, how did you respond to that? You know, were you... You know, did you dip your head and turn around and walk back? Or did you, you know, maybe feel a bit deflated, but start to go, well, problem solve it. And how can I get around this, over this, under this, through this, you know, to to meet, meet my next um, uh, milestone or achievement? But wouldn't it be a difficult one this day and age? And it's probably maybe generalizing to the millennials and say, in some cases, they're, spoon, they're being spoon fed. So, they're being taught to do a sport in a certain way. So yep. in all honesty, they may never have to overcome those. Absolutely. So we're almost sabotaging these athletes. And if you look at, um, you know, some of these uh, prodigious, how do you say it? <laughs> prodigious talents. Um, they're often kids that have had everything provided to them. So they've, you know, they might've gone to a private school. They've had the, best access to services and coaches and, and everything else. And once they get to the top level, like I said, there's, there might've been some early success because they've had that investment, but when it comes to the challenges, they're completely unprepared. And that's where you, you see some of these athletes burn out early, uh, choking big events, um, you know, completely flip out and just lose all sorts of composure and, and almost change in, in the supporters eyes of who they are. But maybe what we're really seeing is, is what's underneath you know that that um, exterior which has been been manipulated uh, to that point. Well, it's a difficult one because I would say I would fall in that bracket to certain extent of if you say freezing or choking at a, a, at a major game, a major competition. I, I think that can affect all of us, not just those that are um, that have been well off in in their development. Absolutely, and. That to me, that part of it comes from comes from expectation. It comes from putting so much pressure on ourselves to be the best. And when we get to an event, um, rather than you know, we spent hours and hours doing what we do. I'm sure you've spent so many hours in the gym and and doing your technical work and you know all sorts of things like that to prepare you. But that that's autonomous by that point. So if we get there and we we're able to let go a little bit of the outcome, which is hard to do because that's what we're there for then we can let that autonomy take over and, and all of those hours of practice do their job. But if we get there and we're concerned about that result and we're so consumed with performing, then what we often do is we become far too cognitive and we start to break down that autonomy and we become robotic, we become stiff. You know, when you hear people talk about, oh, he tightened up or he choked or he, 
you know, if you if you look at that in terms of physiology, you know, we see people that they don't look relaxed, they look scared, frightened, um, tight, um, you know, a whole host of different sort of characteristics that that fit with that. So, um, you know, we're all we're all individuals, so there's no cookie cutter approach which is going to suit everyone. Um, but I think there's there's maybe some overriding lessons that that we learn at different times that can maybe benefit most of us. But do you think you've had to endure that to a certain extent <clears throat> yeah, with what we touched upon off air with having to come overcome injury, um, weather conditions to, to make the world champs? Do you think because it was such a fine line in terms of actually qualifying for the event? Yeah. There was a little bit of that element towards the end. I, and I feel like that this is where I learned some of my greatest lessons. Um, and it's, it's that mindset which has allowed me to, to really kind of, I guess, shake off the shackles now. So as we mentioned off air, um, I qualified for Rio uh, Paralympics last year, missed out during selection because there wasn't enough quota spots left. Um, so I had that sort of sense of disappointment. I, I only missed out on the world champs the year before that by a narrow margin. And now I came into London World Champs and was hitting my distances in training fine, but a culmination of, of severe weather conditions, of injury, illness, um, you know, this perfect storm of interruption um, was was present. And, um, you know, it, it came right down to the final throw of the final event the day before qualifiers, you know, closed. And coming into that, um, event I'd, I'd had an experience two weeks before that where I'd finally had the conditions I was waiting for like I felt like everything was there and ready for me to do it I was only recently back into full training so I was only 12 days back in but I felt like this was my opportunity um, and I, I guess you could I wouldn't say I choked because I still threw better than what I've been throwing in training because I hadn't quite got back to my peak yet but given the conditions I felt I, and on the day I felt like I was capable of more and when the event finished, I was, I was brutal on myself. Like, you know, it was the self-reflection and the, um, you know, you wouldn't talk to your best mate like that. Why would you talk to yourself like that? But for me, I, I managed to turn it around pretty quickly and I went, well, this isn't helpful. We talked about right and wrong or helpful and unhelpful. Well, this isn't helpful. What's, what's helpful? Let's look at the, the experience that I've had to this point. I've never been better prepared than what I am now. Okay, I've had 12, 12 days of full training. But the, the total of my career, you know, we look at the bigger picture, I've never known more than I do today. I've never been better prepared to, to attack this situation. There's examples across the rest of my sporting career where I have performed in these, these um, pressure times and, and stood up for a team or stood up for myself. So um, what I need to do is I, I need to acknowledge that the reason that I didn't perform the way I wanted to was because I put far too much emphasis on getting everything right rather than doing what I've, I've prepared my whole life to do. And so coming into that last event, <clears throat> I, I, I acknowledged that I was self-sabotaging myself in that moment. Again, they weren't, they weren't serious chokes. I wasn't bombing, but I was, I was hovering around the threshold of, of qualifying or not qualifying. So in that last event, I had, some, I had some good throws in that set. It wasn't perfect conditions. You know, I wasn't perfectly prepared, but um, I went, well, whatever happens, I need to let go a little bit of this outcome to allow myself the rhythm and the flow, which is so crucial to, to a technical sport like discus, to let myself execute. Um, and so I did that. And it sounds so simple, and I'm sure we've all been told it so many times by our coaches and friends and family that have, that have witnessed our careers from, 
from the outset. Um, but when you when you see the value in that, and going into that last throw, it wasn't the oh, I've got to get my left foot here and my right foot there, and I've got to do more through the hip. It was like this is it. It's now or never. Um, I'm here because I love doing what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. So just just go for it. Just keep that rhythm and and give it all you got at the the finish, and and hopefully it's enough. And you know, I ended up. Um, I think you know setting a new PB by close to 60, 70 centimeters in in that throw, um, having thrown about four, which fell only centimeters short of the qualifier. So that was enough to get me to London. Five weeks later, um, you know, you know, not ideal preparation given that I can't go back into a training block. Um, went into that event with a, with a completely different mindset to what I might have otherwise. Um, and saw it as just this wonderful experience to to learn, um, and you know saw other athletes and watched the way that they sort of struggled with it and expectations and tightening up. Um, and when I came to perform, was was quite relaxed about it. Um, you know, it was a sense of excitement. I embraced the the nervousness, and you know, I still remember walking out into that London Stadium, which is a phenomenal place. Like you guys are so lucky to to have that. <laughs> Um, and just looking around and taking it in and, and, so, and spotting my wife in the stands and spotting my coach and, um, and not being overwhelmed or distracted by that, but just this sense of belonging and, and excitement that I w- I'd finally made it. I got my Australian you know, um, uniform on and I was about to compete for my country, which is something that I just always wanted to do. Um, and I wasn't intimidated by these guys that were better than me. I was looking at them thinking, I, I'm not far off. Like, you know, this time, okay, I'm, I'm not going to medal, but, you know, um, I'm good enough to throw well today. I can learn something from what you guys are doing. And when we come back here in a couple of years' time, you guys better watch out. But wouldn't you not agree? We're probably, as athletes, maybe that's a generalization, a little bit, you can probably go extend to probably something else in life. But aren't we the harshest critics on ourselves? And Absolutely. It's part of what makes us get as far as we get. And it, that's the, the delicate balance, isn't it, of, of being able to drive yourself without, without destroying yourself, I guess. And to kind of come to your example of you competing, do you think because you were in that state of, I won't say relaxation, but there wasn't that element of pressure to um, not, not succeed, but to meddle, do you think that... <clears throat> Gave you a little bit of uh, freedom over the others because you've got that mindset to a certain extent. I would put it in this way. You're not expected to win. So you've yeah. got, the shackles are certainly kind of off in a way and you've got nothing to lose. Yeah, look, I, I'd agree with that to a certain certain degree. Um, but I, I had a, a sense of awareness of that as well. Um and, you know, there were still other pressures. It was your first international event. Um, you know, my scholarship level, as soon as we get back from um, competing, that's being assessed. And was it, I actually been told that I was at risk, one of the ones at risk of losing my scholarship. Um, so that was going to be dependent on how I performed if I got to London and, how, and if I did, how I performed there. So there was a, there's plenty of reasons why I could have been consumed by, by my performance or the outcome. Um, not just meddling. Um, and I, I feel like I've learned a valuable lesson throughout this, this period, which is going to hold me in really good stead for when I do get another opportunity at that level and, and do have those, carry those expectations of, of meddling. 
Um, so, you know, can't see the future. I haven't got a crystal ball, but um, I've really um, made an effort to to capture this and, and to use this again, because I've just seen so much value in, in being, like I said, um, um, George Mumford, do you know much of him? The um, He was the um, mindfulness coach for Chicago Bulls and the LA Lakers um, during the Jordan uh, Bryant period under Phil Jackson. The, names, the, the name rings a bell. So he, he talks about the same thing. He talks about, you know, you've, you've got to have this fine balance of going in there with a purpose, but being able to temper that expectation to be able to perform at your peak. You know, because you know, like you said before, so many of us can get consumed by that, and it um, it's suffocating. We sabotage ourselves. But yeah, I think you raised a good point there. When in terms of your own personal experience of obviously being told, well, your scholarship's going to be at risk, depending on do you qualify, uh, how well you do in the competition. But I think you could take it either way. It's better to know before the event, so you can. I, look, I agree. Um, it, it was a funny meeting because, um, and I don't want to disclose too much, I guess, you know, in the way that we prepare, but um, certainly like, it was a lot of positive feedback um, and it was only towards the end of the meeting that it was like I was informed of that. And I look, I appreciate the transparency. Um, and I think if you had the choice of knowing or not knowing, I'd rather know. Um, but it certainly does create its own set of, of challenges um, and fortunately, like I said, my mindset these days is to try and find the opportunity in that, which um, I feel like I did, um, rather than be overwhelmed by it. I would prob- I'd probably say I've had, I've had it on the flip side and been not been told. And it's and I actually did, was readmitted onto the program. But you have those struggles mentally. It's like, well, if I don't hit these times, I'm going to be dropped. So... Yeah, I I think my parents were very annoyed with that individual because they knew you've already done it. It doesn't matter what you do today. Yeah, but they had the outlook of well, if we don't tell him, he might pull a result out of the bag and improve. Okay, that didn't for me. It didn't work, and it probably did the the opposite. And I actually performed worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's because um, even if you don't know exactly, you can still sort of sense that from people. Um, so, yeah, look, I think, like I said, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to build that resilience. The first time that it happens, maybe it doesn't work out for you. The second time, maybe it doesn't. But, you know, it's another struggle that you've got to learn to adapt to, isn't it? So, you know, if you persist, again, that word, that perseverance, then eventually you, you develop a skill which allows you to be more resilient in those situations and to... Um, be better prepared, you know, more adaptable to, to deal with it and to then perform. I definitely agree with that sentiment because, well, that was early on in my career. So I think I was very much, I took that on board. This is going to happen that you're going to be put in that situation that you're not told things. Yeah. And it's how you deal with it. Okay, I've come out the right side most of the career. And we yeah. touched upon it with the volleyball off air. I was told that again, uh, a debrief at the close of the at the Paralympics. Well, there's nothing you can do about it. If the coaches decided to pick a team a year out and you were in that in within his plans, yeah. Okay, it's 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 frustrating to be told that after the fact, but yeah, I was in the plans and I did make the game. So 
people might say, well, you've got nothing to, to argue about because yeah. you were there. But it's, I think from a mental perspective, it's not great because you don't know if you're coming or going. Yeah, I think it creates a level of anxiety, which is, is not helpful. So um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of transparency. I think whatever aspect of life you're dealing with, um, yeah, there's going to be hard conversations and, and difficult things to talk about. But if we shelter ourselves from those, um, you can only do that for so long. There's always going to be a time when, when you can no longer protect someone from that. And if they haven't had those steps along the way to build resilience and to learn those lessons, then they're going to be completely unprepared for it when it hits. Um, and that that's frightening. Well, it's a difficult one because with transparency, you've got to know the individual as well and how... Mm. what clicks with them so it's it probably comes back to that element of man management you can't treat everybody the same you can't say this will work with majority of the group let's give it to everybody yeah look i'd agree with that so it's a very it's a very difficult one in terms of that because well you wouldn't do it in strength and conditioning uh you wouldn't do it in personal training or or you shouldn't because that's kind of well, if you look at it from a negative perspective, that's neglecting 50% of the population. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess I try and, de- when I'm coaching, I try and develop that rapport. Um, and like I said, without um, taking, you don't want to steal an opportunity for someone to learn. Um, I think if you're artificially kind of trying to create learning, sometimes, you know, that can be an issue too. But if you see someone having a, a bit of struggle, Maybe just give them give them a little bit of opportunity first to try and um, you know punch their way out of it. Um, you know, don't don't let them drown. Like don't let them suffer. You know, to a point where you know there's no recovering. But certainly, just just let them problem solve a little bit first, or encourage some of that from them in a supportive way to help them grow. Well, I think I'd, I'd agree with that totally because you you don't know how they're going to come overcome it. They might. Well, you could say relish it to a certain extent of, okay, I've, yeah. I've overcome this. Uh, I kind of found my solution. I was adaptable, flexible to the process, and I've come out for the better of it. Yeah. I think we're like, if we look back on our own lives or, or people listening to this sort of reflect on their own careers, the, we sort of have different levels of learning along the way, like where we sort of – I guess, you know, you go through your teens and you get to a level and you're like, oh, I'm an adult now. Like I've, I know more than, you know, what I used to and I, 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 I'm prepared. And then you kind of get to your early 20s and you're like, oh, this is different. I, I wasn't aware of that then. And, you know, now I've kind of feel like I've learned that lesson. And then you get to your mid-20s and it happens again and to your late 20s and it happens again. And, and now sort of, you know, in early to mid-30s and, um, you, you know, you start to realise that life is a, it's an ongoing um, experience of learning and that, you know, be grateful for what you do know, but also be open-minded that there's probably still a lot more out there that you can tap into that's, that can still make you better and more rounded and a more complete athlete or coach or whatever you might be doing. I think the examples you use exemplifies that because you should never have that this out, outlook in life in terms of that you know everything because if you 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 do that is it's you're setting yourself up to fail to a certain extent because a lot of people use the term perfection it doesn't exist yeah. it's it's yeah. you're chasing something that's not realistic it's i won't say it's not yeah. achievable but 
because if you look at it in a sporting context, it's going to always the bar is always going to move, and if it doesn't, yes. you're going to get left behind. Yeah, completely agree with you. Yeah. But my last question for you, uh, Daniel, before before we wrap up the episode, uh, for, for people to take away, if you had to summarize this episode into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? A great experience. Yeah. Uh, like I said to you before, I love learning. I love connecting with people. Um, you know, you've had your own experience. We had a good chat off air. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's you know, valuable, you know, to be able to learn from someone else and, and tap into their experience and to create a connection between the two of us in doing so. I definitely, I definitely agree with that because it's, we can look at it networking. It's learning from people's experiences, how you can tie that into your own to well, add value, um, further your progress, and probably learn it, learning from their struggles. And how, how you can, well, it's probably having that out, out, outlook on life that, well, we term it somebody with disability, but you could probably turn that on its head and say, well, there's some, always going to be somebody out there, wherever it be in the world, that's worse off than you. Yeah, look, there's, there's, yeah, there's always someone worse off, but there's, there's always people facing challenges, you know, and I think we forget that sometimes we, when we get upset with the person that pushes in front of us in the shopping line or, or, you know, cuts in us on traffic and um, it's easy to sort of get consumed with that and, and quite um, develop a sense of, anim, um, what's the word for it? Um, yeah, but, animosity. Uh, animosity towards that person, but you know, maybe they're having a bad day. You know, we don't we don't know what's going on with them. We don't know what's you know happening with their family, with their loved ones, you know, at work. So, um, look at yeah, it sucks in that moment. But when we let go of that sense of ego, um, and look, I'm you know, we talked about perfection. I'm I'm terrible at this sometimes. I you know, driving is a, a disaster at times when someone does that to you and you're running late and you've got your own issues to deal with. But um, I, I think it's the Dalai Lama, you know, talks about it and, and showing compassion and understanding for others. And, and, you know, we help ourselves by helping others, you know, so there's, there's value in that. It's a win-win for everyone. Oh yeah. But that, you could probably say that doesn't exist in modern society. It's, it's what, what can I get from me as opposed to yeah. what, what, how can I help somebody else? Yeah. Look, there's, there's a lot of that. And, um, yeah, what can you do other than try and, try and set your own example and um, and influence those that are close to you. And I think we can change society as a whole. Um, you know, maybe one day we'll be fortunate enough to be in a position to do that. But if we can at least leave a legacy for those around us, um, then I think that's a, that's a good start. So once again, Daniel, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast and sharing your insight. Fantastic, James. Like I said, grateful for the experience and, um, and found it really valuable. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.